survivors and welcome to First Aid Spray, a Resident Evil podcast by fans for fans. This is episode 79 of the show and in this edition we return to Comic Club and have our first experience with Resident Evil's Hong Kong published manhwas with the adaptation of Code Veronica. My name is Sai and joining me on the panel this week, punching a zombie in the face, it's James aka Moist Owlet. Sweet, a submarine. Kicking a bandersnatch in the gut, it's Michael Burgertime Early. Ah, uh, hello. And uppercutting a GD Hunter, it's Firebutton Steve Valance. The first rule about Comic Book Club. You tell everyone about Comic Book Club. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Good time. Yeah, everybody. This was a blast. First Aid Spray is recorded in front of a live Discord server audience, so join now to hear the show early and unedited, and to become part of our wonderful little community where we discuss life, the universe, and Resident Evil. You can find the server and all of our social media links at our website, fasprayPod.com. That's where you can also find our merchandise store and our Patreon page. First Aid Spray is nothing without our supporters. Tiers begin at just $1 a month with a host of benefits. Head over to patreon.com forward slash fasprayPod to support the show, which brings me nicely to uh, the first topic, which is our Patreon, because there are a few things to address. Uh, first of all, do the shout-outs, as usual. So thank you to our new supporters, Captain Rimmer, insert the salute here, and Ashley Wilson. Thank you to you both. Thank you to all of our Patreon supporters for your support. Um, we have had a bit of a change around on Patreon as of the day of recording. In fact, uh, if you are a supporter, you should have an email. Um, but for those maybe curious in general, we've had a look back on what we're supplying with Patreon. There were four tiers previously. Um, and just to make things, I think, more clear and to make sure we're offering the right kind of value, we've decided to eliminate the highest paid tier. So Tyrant tier and Mastermind tier, different shows would go to those tiers uh, early access and we thought you know it kind of feels like it's valuing the shows a little bit differently and just in case we we're fairly good with the schedule but occasionally sometimes something does slip and we haven't had you know that, speaking of the Metal Gear Solid 2 bonus episode let's just forget that exists um <laughs> so when <laughs> stuff like that does happen we just want to make sure that nobody's getting ripped off nobody's complained but just want to do right by everyone so we have Thrown the Mastermind tier away, it's gone. Everything now comes early to the Tyrant tier. So if you were a Mastermind tier before and you haven't heard yet, please log into your Patreon, change your tier to whatever you would like it to be. The tier is currently unlisted, but it will be deleted as of April 2nd, 2024. Um, and Patreon reliably informs me that at this point, if you haven't selected a new tier, you will continue to be charged the Mastermind tier sort of value but you won't get any benefits so please do log into patreon um and change your tier or whatever you want to do um but yes this is our attempt at making making things a bit more straightforward um speaking of patreon though just last little bit we've had a couple of new episodes coming out um the new episode of a moment of relief is now out where three of the gang sat down to discuss the possibility of a resident evil animated series and what we'd like to see from it that's something that may well get referenced throughout this episode now um and also steve picked his top 10 tracks from alone in the dark for now that's what i call survival horror uh, there might or may or may not be a swerve and a surprise in that episode so do go check it out that's everything from us Steve, would you like to take us into the Resident Evil news? So, everybody, gang, come closer. <laughs> so the big news, uh, the, the big remake that came out last year, the gold edition is out now. 
<laughs> Resident Evil 4 Remake Gold Edition out now in stores physically, sort of. We'll get to that sort of in a minute. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that is a thing, isn't it? It's not, a, yeah, there's not much to say on this. Cool, I guess. We've all got Remake 4. We've all got separate ways. But in case you don't, or you would like to purchase them again, you can do so now with Resident Evil 4 Remake Gold Edition. I don't believe it comes with anything additional. It's just the base game and the DLC package together. Digitally, physically, uh, or something vaguely resembling physically. Uh, Steve, take it away. How do you feel about it? Uh, frustrating, because the entire point of the Gold Edition, at least as far as I was aware, is an all-in-one package on the disc or like near enough as damn. Mm-hmm. And instead, it's base game RE4 and then a DLC token. Yeah, which means yeah. separate ways is not in fact physical, which basically you might as well have just bought the original game and then bought mm-hmm. separate ways digitally anyway. Not to be cynical about things, but it seems like a pointless gesture. The collectors out there, essentially, if you are buying this for your collection, you are literally buying the same game again. Like, just with a different cover. Yeah. It's got a new hat. It's dumb as <laughs> heck. Bergs, how do you feel about this one? Uh, this feels bad. Yeah, it's not uh, great. If I'm being honest. Like it's it, it almost feels like they they had a big warehouse full of just Resident Evil fours again. I'm like, all right, let's cut <laughs> these open, re-sleeve them, yeah, and toss a little, or even less, maybe even just put a sticker on it. You know, um, really low effort and and very like almost frustrating in its uh in its execution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we all kind of rolled our eyes at this when they did it for Village Gold Edition, if I remember rightly. Mm. It was kind of like, oh no. Um, but yeah, this feels even more, yeah, low effort, zero mm. effort, quite literally. Like, just like, oh, slap a banner on the cover art and we're done. So yeah. It's not it's not great. James, any feelings on this? Uh, you mentioned the Gold Edition of Village, and that is, you know, that I, I think that's a really good thing to to bring up because... At least that had something new. <laughs> yeah, it had like true. the first person or third person it came with. Mm. Um, you know, uh, and I, I think it had a couple of collectibles maybe with it. I'm not sure, but yeah, you get nothing. Yeah, that's really it sucks. Fine, it, you know, none of us are going to be getting it. So <laughs> no, no, I'm not particularly interested. Um, I guess if anything, if you, I suppose it's. Most interesting thing about it is the fact that it's like, well, that's the end of Remake 4. Like, the, the updates are done now. I don't think we thought otherwise, but the fact that they're releasing a gold edition, quote-unquote, uh, means that Remake 4's updates are over. There's no more additional DLC coming, which is fine. It feels like a complete package to me. It's time for the next thing, whenever that comes. So, yeah, I guess a resounding hmm <laughs> to this news story. I would go, hmm. <laughs> Does any everyone else just want to give a noise? Harumph. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'll repeat what Steve says, because if I try and do a noise, I'm going to be coughing all over you. <laughs> Harumph, but with James's voice instead. Thank you. Thank you for that narration. Okay. <laughs> Let's move this right along then to the subject at hand. Very excited to talk about this one, which I can't believe I'm saying. It's Comic Club Code Veronica. And now, reading the file Prisoner's Diary from Resident Evil Code Veronica, Jason Yemenitis, who you can find on Castingle Club at JBoy. May 13th. This room stinks of death. Based upon the information I've found, I believe that I'm far south of the equator. Lucky for me, 
that bob in the bunk below me is one of those interesting types of guys. May 16th. Today, Bob told some crazy story of why he was put in this place with me. Bob said that he used to be an attendant of the head of this place. This boss named Alfred supposedly placed him in here because of a tiny little mistake. What does that mean? What's going to happen to me? May 20th. Without warning, a group of military men took Bob to the building behind the guillotine stand. At midnight, I'll sneak out of here to see him. I've been hearing that anyone taken to that building never comes back. On top of that, there are these really large plastic bags being constantly removed from that place. I better pray for Bob. May 21st. I was wrong. I shouldn't have gone there. What is going on in there? All I could hear was some insanely creepy laughter and the sound of Bob screaming. I don't know what to do. I can't stop thinking about it. Is that going to happen to me? I can't let it. I just can't. May 27th. Since my last entry, all of my fellow inmates have been taken to that building. I know that I'm next. It's obvious that we're all here to be used as Alfred's guinea pigs. There's no way out. What am I going to do? So uh, it, was, it was inevitably time for Comic Club. Um, originally, I kind of penciled this down for Infinite Darkness at uh, the beginning, um, which is now... I guess arrived for everyone that pre-ordered it, but it was very close to this sort of recording date. So we kind of switched gears on it um, and went back to our old friends at Wildstorm. We've covered two Wildstorm outings before with Resident Evil. The first was a sort of anthology series and then the second, which was Fire and Ice. This is the third publishing Wildstorm did for Resident Evil when it comes to comic books out of four. Um, but unlike all the others, this which were made directly, you know, for by Wildstorm. This is actually an English translation that Wildstorm produced and published of Biohazard Code Veronica, which was originally published by, and I'm going to butcher this, Ting, Tin Hangsi Publishing in, in Hong Kong. I've murdered that. Um, originally spread over 18 volumes, Wildstorm released this as four huge editions uh, across the year 2002. Writing credits are given to the Wildstorm namestays, uh, mainstays that you might recognise, uh, the Wildstorm names of Ted Adams and Chris Aprisco. Um, and when it comes to the Manhua series from the Hong Kong Publishing Company that I'm not going to say the name of and embarrass myself further, this is the third of four. There's also adaptations of two, three and zero. You know, we might get to those one day, sort of depending. I don't think there's any official English translations for those. So this is a bit of a weird episode. Because we are sort of diving in the middle of the Manhua uh, series. But because we're following along on the Wildstorm journey, it kind of logically does make sense. Um, we're not really going to dig into first experiences with this because most of us haven't really had any first experience. We said before we recorded, Steve and I are pretty much in the same thing, right? We've seen that we were aware of this, might have looked into it. There's some really 
weird stuff from some of these comics that sometimes gets posted on social media um some really fantastical stuff so i was very curious about getting into seeing if that was the case here um okay so i guess the logical place to start which feels like a kind of jumping right into the deep end is to talk about the general how we feel about the artwork throughout the four volumes of code veronica about the quality whether they spoke to us whether we enjoyed the art um james how did you feel about the way that these comic books looked because they are very different from what we've talked about before yeah um <clears throat> so there's clearly an art style that they wanted to keep to with these memoirs like everyone for instance looks like a dorito on a stick <laughs> um like if you uh, steve is absolutely jacked yeah, as well. yeah. Like, yeah. you know, it's uh yeah, uh there there's some really strong points when it comes to the art style of this. Like I love so this is by the way, this is also my first time reading a manoir. Mm-hmm. Right. And I did a little bit of research on manoirs and they're supposed to be long and we'll get into that later on. Right, okay. But because of that, there's a lot of filler they have to put in. And the filler they put in is basically these really high quality uh kind of almost cover Mm-hmm. uh cover worthy kind of uh stills mm-hmm. like you know like uh when when it, it's normally when an introduction comes in and i really enjoyed and was really excited to because because once you've read it for a bit you know one's coming yeah and i was excited to actually uh wait i will we'll wait for one to come along because i just wanted to see what kind of detail to put into it some of them are a bit some of them are a bit wack. um sorry <laughs> But <laughs> uh, others are like they're really good. Like they're really kind of brought back. Yeah, um, Berger just posted a an image of uh, Wesker, which is a great kind of um, a, a skew look at him uh, without his glasses on and just a really menacing look on him. Yeah. Um, it was yeah. I I loved waiting for those. Whereas everything else, like it's a little bit um, inconsistent. Like there are some points in mm. the four comics where, um, yeah. I mean, I'll bring it up later on with the BOWs, but the sweepers, for instance, when you first see a sweeper, it looks so good. It's a side, it's a side profile, yeah. but then like the rest just look like caricatures of a sweeper slash hunter. Um, yes. They look really bad. Um, and yeah, and everything else, like all the other stuff they kind of put in, it, uh, it yeah, it, f- it felt like they were just trying to fill a panel, and it was nice. Mm. There was there were some panels that were really low quality, some that were really high. There was yeah, there's definitely a consistency problem there with the art style. Um, but once you actually get into it again, which I'll talk about later, once you get into it, you start to kind of ignore all those things because um, these are so long. I mean, it took me. I mean, total time it took me about four or five hours to read this entire yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, um, they're uh, they're meaty. Yeah. yeah, so you kind of you kind of just have to push through it, and uh, you just yeah it. It's it's all right. It's not the best art style I've seen, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, uh, generally speaking, full agree with you. The 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 quality definitely fluctuates a bit, um, and the style does kind of change. And sometimes, I feel like maybe this is intentional. I feel like it's a quite an Eastern sort of cartoon and animation thing where it sort of gives em- emphasis if someone's suddenly really detailed and has like a big focused panel on them. It's like this is a moment for that character to say something heroic or whatever. Uh, I feel like that's a thing but yeah it's not just that it does largely fluctuate and there are moments where you can tell that they've kind of drawn it from a source like there's or even I want to say trace that's a bit much but like they've got something to copy at hand the first introduction of the hunter being the one that you point out there 
first time we see it, it's pretty much copied from the official artwork. And there's a couple moments like that, <laughs> admittedly. But also, that's not to say there isn't loads of really awesome original art all the way throughout this. And I'm exactly the same with you. The first one I think we see is um, Clara in the graveyard surrounded by zombies. Um, and there's one later where Steve's shooting his dad and it's sort of surrounded by the sort of memories of him up to that point, which is really cool. Like the way they splice stuff mm-hmm. together is really interesting. And there's a lot of like full body character looking triumphant or determined and then like a big shot of their head in the background. Again, it's quite an Eastern sort of animation thing. But yeah, absolutely a highlight for me. Bergs, how did you feel about the art style throughout this? Um, so if we're specifically talking art style, uh, y'all have uh, pointed out a lot of the points that I um, had noted myself. Um, I think it's interesting because sometimes it feels like when you're looking at it, there's multiple styles of artists on, on the page mm. at the same time. Um, like where they've taken the pieces from the two different style, like artists, um, to like, splice them together. Usually like there's like, where's a, the top half is a bunch of stuff. And then there's like the half page. Yeah. Uh, I think that's interesting. Um, and how it goes together in terms of sometimes there's panels that are inked and sometimes there's panels that are, aren't, that aren't. And, um, I don't know enough about the medium to to know if that's like part of it or if this is just like let's get this stuff you know cranked out so fast and they forgot to to ink that panel. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Because of uh, how inconsistent it is, I think it's really cool. Um, I read a lot of comic books. Or I have read a lot of comic books. So um, I appreciate like the layout and stuff that they utilize. It feels very consistent the entire run. Uh, and maybe this is part of it because I was also reading it uh, on a vertical spin. And mm-hmm. I may never read comic books in another method ever again. Because, <laughs> wow, was it compelling just to to go play Resident Evil Code Veronica again. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, weird and cool and fascinating. Uh, and yeah. Fascinating is a good word for it because yeah, I've I've just posted. I don't want to talk about it too much, obviously, with the people in the live chat can see this. But there is a panel that I just posted as a pure example of like the consistency thing. Um, you said about different artists. It just looks like it. Like I, I agree with you that like, the layouts are really easy to understand and they are consistent. And you get a hold of those really early and they kind of make sense throughout. But sometimes there are panels where just it feels like stuff has been mushed together. And there's somewhere as the art styles that you just said about. Where one character is drawn one way and another character who is presumably in the same frame is drawn by someone else completely different. <laughs> but, but just because it's the next panel over... It's, it's kind of... It's, you're, you it's, do kind of go, is it like meant to be a separate thing? Is it... Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Uh, Steve, uh, how do you feel about the artwork? Honestly, I was uh, taken aback. Like like everyone else, it's blending of styles, isn't it? And uh, for my mind, I have to like I have to reference it and compartmentalise. So from my point of view, I'm seeing like Something pseudo initial D manga like, and then you've got mm-hmm. these high res hero shots, which are like uh, your big Capcom Shinkiro works. Like mm-hmm. if, you've, if you've seen the Japanese cover for Dead Aim, for example, something like that, for the bigger like in detailed images. And then sometimes it gets really cheap looking, like uh, like uh, Western cartoons like X Men, Spider Man of, of the nineties. You know that kind of cheap. Not bad. Definitely fits the vibe they're going for. James mentioned how Steve Burnside was jacked earlier. I'll raise you. I think everyone's jacked in this. Like everyone, <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. Everyone's Absolutely. been hitting the creatine. Like, uh, somehow, you know, Claire, bless her, she is partially very thin and emaciated looking, but also buff as all hell. 
Uh, <laughs> the, I, I was taken aback the, the the zombie assault scene where they first crawl out of the ground. Just yes. how um, how built they were. I thought they were all tyrants at first. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> incredible. Yeah, the, the big big Dorito energy. Um, I'm, I'm here for it. It gives it its own distinct. Well, I say distinct. There's three different styles at play here, but they, they vibe together rather fun for me. It's the, the, the BOWs are the standout. The heroes all look a little bit jacked with different haircuts, excluding Claire. Uh, but yeah, no, I had a great time. Visually speaking, I I don't think it's the style I would personally go for in an animation. But if this is the one we got, I would take it any day over more of the CGI stuff. Just putting it out there that this is a kind of vibe I could click with a lot more than, well, anything we've seen so far in the CGI universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I made the same note about the zombies they're so ripped they look like like demonic creatures they're so ripped um which is so weird because there are like i said not just clearly influenced by but almost just copied um code veronica concept art and stuff like that in here but the zombies don't look anything like resident evil zombies which is which is a really odd choice but okay sure Especially the zombies in Code Veronica, because a lot of them are like emaciated and wasted looking. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the graveyard zombies, especially. You take a render of a uh, Resident Evil Code Veronica zombie, and then you put and look at these. Like this one's having it for breakfast twice. It's just going to bend it over <laughs> its knee and snap it. They, they look like monster killers in an amazingly silly way. Mm-hmm. I found one that looks like a Resident Evil zombie. I think there's a couple tucked away in there. Yeah. Uh, this first time you see it them, is... it's very alarming. It's it is weird because they you're right. The uh, yeah, in terms of everyone being ripped, um, th- yes, everyone's ripped and everyone's got crazy jawlines for the most part. There's even one panel, and funnily enough, Steve, you just showed it in the thing. There's one panel where Claire has a gigantic chin for some reason. I think largely <laughs> she's probably the most consistently well drawn character, like doesn't fluctuate as much as the others maybe um but there is the odd little thing where you're like well that's a giant chin or well she's suddenly more muscly in one panel or whatever it's just kind of how it goes um but yeah you know largely speaking i'm with you in the sense that it's like i'm 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 okay with this i'm fine with this i'm enjoying this i like the sort of wacky and interestingness to it um it's keeping me engaged just to see what's next um for better or for worse where it's like how's this style going to change not drastically in a horrible this is terrible i was just like oh it's very interesting um some of the design choices i thought were a little odd like early on where they don't really do this too much later but anytime a character needs to essentially go in the inventory there there's just like items floating above their head in a panel and it 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 looks like Claire grabs the lighter out of her brain, essentially, <laughs> which is uh, a little odd. That's one way to store it, I guess. Um, and there's also one panel early on that's just like a void with a bunch of doors floating in it, which is just sort of show her going through a bunch of doors to get to the next area. It's an interesting they, choice. Uh, I'm not convinced it works, a, but... They, they show a map as well, don't they? Um, when they're going from the graveyard to the house mm. and there's a there's like a there's an almost jurassic park-esque uh <laughs> map <laughs> that's above in different color codes yeah i don't want to give you know paul ws anderson any credit yet but i feel like 3d maps would be definitely a cert for this kind of thing uh, as opposed to 2d very conceptually hard to pass compared especially if you know the game Mm. You know, you're just like, oh, I'll just teleport to this part of the building now. There is a, a twist of geography and a lot of warping going on, but you have to take that as a pinch of salt. 
That's, yeah, absolutely. And I will say, and this is probably, I don't know if this fits in here or not, but I was quite surprised with just how much they covered in terms of locations and little objectives and stuff you do throughout the game. I'll probably say that again, I'm sure. Uh, so they do cover a lot of ground here. With adaptations like this, you expect a certain amount of stuff that gets cut. Like, we've covered all of the S.T. Perry books. Um, so we know about that sort of adaptation. And I think, generally speaking, we're all pretty much at the same mind. It was like, it makes sense. You're not just going to have, and then Claire walked down this corridor, and then Claire walked down this corridor, and found these items and rubbed them together. In the books, they're like shooting locks out and stuff because they need to drive the story forward that's the most important thing and they've only got the written word for it whereas here it's a different thing because they've got the art uh more than the written word i mean they could write an entire page of what's going on but what's why did you buy a comic book if that's the case so they they use a lot of the art to progress it so they show a lot of things rather than telling mm-hmm. um which is which is a nice change of pace because we haven't really had that for the podcast yet but this is the first um adaptation of a video game in comic form that we've done at the very least um cool uh let's start diving into it then like i said there's four issues we'll go through each one and we'll talk about our highlights and lowlights about uh well anything really there can be artwork stuff but also you know how the story's presented as i just said there how code veronica is adapted how you feel they did that stuff and then we'll get into characters and monsters at the end but uh issue one then which obviously takes us from the beginning of the game claire's capture rockport island um, and then it does sort of the majority of the island section from the game up to Steve's uh, moment with his dad. And then there's a, uh, a weird little uh, way to end issue one, I will say that much. Steve, how did you feel about issue one? What are your positive uh, and negative takeaways? Genuinely speaking, I loved it. I had a, I had a fun time. It's uh, There are points where I feel like players teleporting like i mentioned earlier but generally speaking it's the it's the things where it goes off script a little that are the more interesting for me like mm. you know extremely buff zombies aside um <laughs> for example like not to go straight to the end of the issue there is a point where claire encounters the gulp worm and it's it's smashing the ground up it's being really terrifying it looks like it's gonna eat her it's like oh mate i'll see you later i've got a bus to catch it just it just leaves it just it just goes, and I love that that, that this makes no sense. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Uh, uh, but um, stand out for the issue has to be uh, how do I put this? Claire and Steve basically street fighting a bandersnatch to death. <laughs> and the thing is, that's the beginning of what becomes <laughs> the majority of the comic book. Uh. Let's face it. Let's put it out there now. We start with a few sort of like hand-to-hand combat moments and then by the end of it that's what the sort of lion's share of the comic becomes um for me i agree like i like the the new additions that we get throughout this and i'll shout some of them out as we go um we got to see some of steve's backstory in issue one sort of as it happened a little bit um and there's a just an extra page on the scientist that gets killed in the in the little room where claire tries to let him out and in and then the Bandersnatch, ha- Bandersnatch happens, um, which was, you know, uh, it was a nice change. It broke up the, the sort of pacing of Claire goes to next room. Um, there's there's a couple of weird ones that I didn't like. There's one moment really on where the zombies talk, <laughs> which is uh, a little odd and never comes back again. And uh, yeah, the gulp worm was really weird because I spent the rest of the comic being like, okay, is that going to come back around? But no, the gulp worm just goes, nah, do you know what? I can't be bothered. 
when it's got her right there and then just leaves, which is really, really weird. Um, in terms of some of the positives for the additions, uh, Claire jumps across the gravestones, which is just as she did in the S.D. Perry book. So I thought that was really funny. Um, coincidence, probably, but funny nonetheless. And uh, one of the first ever panels with Steve Burnside in it has the most insane, like, soft lighting intro shot to be like, he's <laughs> handsome. Beautiful. Yeah, it's like, look <laughs> at him. It's like The people behind this comic really like Steve, uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of those early panel sort of style changes where it was like, the emphasis was pretty obvious while they were doing this. You could um, hear the TikTok like, wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. Uh, James, positives and negatives from issue one? Um, I'm going to be quite negative. Just putting it out here. <laughs> okay, quite go for it. So, like, the immediate thing that hit me about um, this volume or book one and it's going to come up again in the following ones, but how breakneck these comics are. Mm-hmm. They are so fast. I, f- I literally felt like I was being dragged through each panel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like kicking and screaming. I'm like, no, please wait. I need to see. Nope, next scene. <laughs> you know, um, like I was given barely any, any explanation on story or context on what was happening. Um, there was a lot of like, you needed to prior knowledge or play the video games. Um, to know what was actually happening. Happening. Mm-hmm. The double whammy here is that these books are really freaking long. Yeah. So like yeah. the dragging is extremely obvious, and it can get it got tiresome. Like it, it took quite some effort <laughs> for me to to continue through this. Um, mm. to to continue through book one and the following ones. Um, you have some absolutely bonkers scenes that lead mm-hmm. into others as well, such as Steve essentially using a. A fatality on a bandersnatch <laughs> and then he starts complaining he has a bad back attempting to give claire a boost like <laughs> it's like nonsensical stuff really and it, it really it, it continues throughout this comic to be honest like i will say though that like i i think they they handled steve and as you said earlier size steve and his father like that story really well mm-hmm. in in the comic uh, in this first book, it actually felt like it had some weight to it. Yeah. Like, even if it was a little bit over the top. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, um, it's in the game, isn't it, I guess, but... Yeah, yeah, but, well, in the game, it feels dead. Like, if, like not to put, use a pump, but it feels... Mm. A, there's a dead tone to the video game. Sure. Um, even though he is... Like, Steve might be yelling at us that he's, that's his dad. Like, it's, does there is no context for us to feel want like to feel like we should care about this mm-hmm. um yeah there's there's also like there's a lot of changes um in these comics to try and keep it fresh for the reader as well such as steve killing a zombie at book one's end that he thinks is claire but yes. obviously isn't um yeah like the issue with that like it would have been fine but the issue with that is that the story doesn't work at all without claire in it <laughs> So this would have been like this would only be a plot point for new folks to Resident Evil. Yep. But new people to Resident Evil are not going to be buying this book. Yeah, they're going to be like, well, I don't really care who she is anyway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, so yeah, that made no sense to me. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I want to get with you here, Steve. You just lost your dad, but. <laughs> 
I can't because I know Claire's not dead. <laughs> yeah, I want to just um, like give a little more context to that for listeners that might have missed that. Yes, this book ends with the implication that Claire is dead and a zombie. Like, yeah. literally, and also just to your point as well, they have the scene with Steve's dad, and we go from, oh, Steve, you poor thing, you must have, dot, dot, dot. Literally, immediately after that, Claire is running away, running around trying to find a way out. Like, it's just breakneck from one to the other. But because she's yeah. gone off on her own, Steve's like, oh, no, I better go and find her. Finds a glove that she's dropped, and then imagines a zombie is Claire. And we see Claire yeah. as a zombie. And that's kind of like a cliffhanger where it's like, is Claire really dead into the next issue? It's so dumb. <laughs> he, he has he has glove trauma. <laughs> he looks at that glove and suddenly a trigger is spawned. Apparently, yeah. Like, yeah, it was, I mean, it was the, really the best funny. part. The best part of that is the zombie that he kills that looks like Claire, that may or may not be Claire, has both gloves on. <laughs> really? I didn't even know. Yes. Incredible. There's loads of weird stuff like that. In this issue, uh, Claire finds, I guess, a messenger bag, beats up a bunch of dogs with a bag, <laughs> and then the bag disappears. Like, it's gone after that. I guess she just absorbed it into her inventory brain. Uh, just like, <laughs> stuff like that. He's like, what? Just, just weird. Bergs, positives and negatives from issue one for you? Uh, tell you, James is the breakneck... Uh like speed i felt i felt dragged and uh strictly compelled to to complete this volume <laughs> um <laughs> it was it it like um again i think part of it was because again i was reading it on a monitor so i was just scrolling yeah uh, wow it was just very cool in terms of that experience uh I never, I don't know what the 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 styles of this like style of comic book are, um, but I appreciated the like the early call out to Chris where they don't like they just show him because uh, they the forces you to remember okay they sent the message to Chris and like because mm-hmm. you've never seen Chris before you don't know what Chris looks like and it's like a man is on his way <laughs> <laughs> and it's this like summer. who's this guy oh it's probably the guy they sent the message to so you have to think back to that moment which I think is when comic books ask readers to do mm. um uh overall it was a very good literal long play. <laughs> it was a long play down because it feels like a long play of wrestling yeah code Veronica. It, and it's, it feels even more like the further <laughs> you in you go yeah um because you know and you reflect on the game as you're reading this and it's mm. like wow but it really it really do be like that though <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Really, this wasn't actually in the game. You're like, nope, nope, it was. There's um, my only other point is that the artwork in this. Some some examples for artwork. Uh, I found some of the locations quality to be kind of mixed. Like the little sleeping quarters shack thing. I was like, wow, that looks exactly like it. I know it's just kind of a shack, so it's not particularly difficult to draw in the grand scheme of things. But then you go in the palace and the detail is just not there. And also it's flipped for some reason. Like it's mirrored. Like the staircase is on the wrong side. I was like, okay, we've been given some weird material to draw from, I guess. But um, that stuff was like, okay, it's odd. Um, Okay, issue two then. Um, In issue two, Claire and Steve are reunited. She's not a zombie. Shock. Uh, They escape Rock Fort. They fight the tyrant on the plane. Um, and then they split up when they arrive in Antarctica. Um, so, James, why don't you kick us off with issue two? What are your 
highlights and lowlights. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to do this three more times. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I'll go into it later on. But um, so, so book two is the one I struggled with the most. Right. Um, like somehow these comics, they put you at ease with the characters not being in danger. <laughs> you know they're going to be okay because a few panels ago you just witnessed Steve blanket punching ten zombies to one death. <laughs> You know, they're going to be fine. Right? It's The story, it feels, at this point, very linear. Mm-hmm. It's like from A to B to C to D, which is not Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is kind of, but... It is when you know it, but not right. the first time you play it, no. Exactly, yeah. They are using like, a walkthrough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bet you could actually read this manoir and maybe... Genuinely, genuinely yeah. one of my notes, yes. um but yeah the dialogue like the dialogue makes this so clear to you as well like the linear linearity of it like such as when claire gets poisoned by the moth in this series (laughs) praise the moth by the way and she exclaims i'm poisoned there must be something i can use and her next line is an (laughs) ak-47 yeah you know it's absolutely bonkers i burst out laughing in my room when I heard that, when I, well, when I read it, and this, that, that's not the last one. There are so many of those. Yeah, like kind of just like <laughs> stop what we're doing. We we'll go on to something else. Um, I did enjoy the Bandersnatch, who also looks like a tyrant. Um, yeah, yeah. I when I first saw the Bandersnatch, I'm like, wait, this is this is a bit early for the tyrant, isn't it? <laughs> like uh, it wasn't cold it wasn't fancy looking it was just uh yeah a non-shiny tyrant essentially mm-hmm. um like but i did enjoy like they they felt the bandit snatches they felt explosive uh, like and they looked deadly but the characters are just too overpowered here they're so overpowered they don't like these poor band of snatches and zombies didn't stand a chance. <laughs> I, I I think I counted seven diving kicks in this book, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure is just spamming attacks, which in the competitive fighting scene is a big no no. Actually, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then we end with with Claire being poisoned, but she has her AK-47, so, so okay. that's fine. Um, yeah, and also Alfred and Steve get in a gunfight, which seems redundant, <laughs> but it was, it was nice. <laughs> it was nice seeing a new point of view with Steve. That's yeah. about all I have to say about book two. <laughs> this one was a real mixed bag for me as well, because this, I mean, yeah, Resident Evil, if you were to boil it down when it's just like, here are my objectives, it is just exchanging key items for one another until you get to the helipad or whatever in each yeah. game, um, which in comic form, it's quite boring and reductive. Look, points to them for featuring as much as possible out of the game, and I'm continually shocked by the degree of key items that they actually do show throughout this entire thing. As I said with S.T. Perry, where they, she just was like, these are the cliff notes, I need to tell the story. This is like, yeah, this could be used as a walkthrough. It's, it's absolutely <laughs> mad. And that said, there are a couple of moments where I actually... There's, there's a cracks in this where the light comes through where it's like it's explained to the reader that some of the usage for the items through other characters like Rodrigo knows the facility so he knows that this will go here so he tells Claire 
Whereas the player would pick up on that information by running around spamming X and looking at things and going, that's the same shape. I was like, that's quite nice. You know, Steve's remarks that he saw the submarine panel when he got brought in, which is completely new information that's not in the game. And I was like, yeah, okay, that's cool. It makes sense. Like Stuff like that is cool. But yeah, there is a lot of just like running around being like, oh, and then I found this and I put it here and then I found this and I put it here and then I got, yeah, <laughs> yeah. an AK and she fires it with one hand, by the way. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's quite impressive. But with those forearms, I mean. Well, sure. Yeah, she's buff. She can handle it. She's got this. <laughs> And the artwork in this one, there are a lot of awesome panels, for sure. There's some really meme-worthy stuff throughout all of this. Like Some of the expressions in this are fantastic. Special shout-out to the grimace that the tyrant does as he gets shot in the back of the head with a grenade launcher. Not in like a, not being a meme way, it's just so, this just looks so mad that gonna have to go through and pull out a bunch of this for reaction images because there's just there's so many good ones and there's a <laughs> it's like i don't know what you'd call it like disgusted alfred meme that's definitely going to become a thing in the server uh because we all pointed out and there have been so many moments where i've laughed out loud because of the way the writing has suddenly jumped like you've said james or just the like some of the artwork in this not in a bad way, just in like, it's so intense and so over the top. Uh, so I kind of loved how utterly stupid it was at times. Uh, Steve, take us through issue two and your experience with it. I just want to sideline, can we have like an Alfred folder, please? Like, I feel like <laughs> throughout the entirety of this series, okay, Alfred is solid gold meme material. Yeah, he's got, like, he's got quite time, a... Yeah. Quite He's got that months. weird psychotic Sigma Grindset energy on most images. It's, <laughs> it's brilliant. Yeah, it's complete lunatic. I love it. Uh, as for the story, much like everyone else, I feel like this is the Cliff Notes run, run through of uh, basically Claire and Steve go to the palace and then it's all the way to nearing the end of Antarctica for Claire. It's not the end of Claire's bit, but it's almost right. the end of Claire's part of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, Generally speaking, my standout is still, you know, Bandersnatch getting double drop kicked and, and Steve going, <laughs> I thought I'd killed you. Oh, no. Uh, that and the Tyrant. I, I generally think the Tyrant in CV is overhyped most of the time. But in this, it felt like somehow more of a threat. Yes. He even developed a shiny, like, mm. silver armor thing going on, like fish scales. It kind of like, oh, that, that, that's a vibe. Mm. That's something different. I'll take it. Kevlar yeah, Tyrant. Um, yeah. <laughs> also, Claire can summon shotguns. Yes, I noticed that as well. Yeah, 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 just weapons just appear when she needs them now, which is, you know, for the nature of this being more of a, if you played the game, here are some cool drawn action set pieces. Neat. But as a narrative thing, what the hell is going on? <laughs> it's, um, suplexing a moth. Yeah, we need to push out that out. Utterly nonsense. <laughs> uh, yeah, just, just describe that out of context. People are like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Amazingly, put that in though. Like the, one of the most tedious, notorious enemies in the entire franchise. I think it's been memed on outside of it for Code Veronica, especially. It happens in the in the actual manhwa, which I thought was neat. Mm-hmm. It becomes an actual plot point. But generally speaking, we we are slowly. Well, I say slowly. We are accelerating off the rails at pace. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, yeah. Issue two. While it feels mostly just like action, 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 action. Here's a meme of Alfred. Action, 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 action. Tyrant. It's still strangely satisfying for me. I, I, I enjoyed my time with this one. We also want to give a quick shout out in issue two. There is a moment of tarp watch. 
I just did. Did everyone really? else? Did everyone else laugh at that? I'll have to find it. I'm sure it's issue two where Amanda goes, "What's under that tarp?" or something like that. And I was just like, <laughs> "Incredible!" It's like oh, they I, knew. I found it. I found it is an issue two. There you go. It does exist. I didn't. Thank God I didn't just dream it. <laughs> you heard it here first. The Chinese manhwa of Code Veronica is in the RE first engine. official. <laughs> yeah, but Tarp Watch Origins. Um, Bergs, what was your experience with issue two? Your highlights and lowlights. Um, I gotta tell you, same, uh, more of the same notes. Uh, I felt, I felt drawn uh, to the end of it. It mm-hmm. uh, flows really well. Um, you get to points where you're kind of just like following the art, uh, which is something that I appreciate when comic books do as well. Um, when there's not a lot of text on a page, but the story just flows, and you can kind of um, just really enjoy it. Uh, I think uh, the inconsistency in the art was bigger in this one um than in the the first one i again am continue to be baffled at the amount of content that was in resident evil code veronica that i was certain uh didn't exist only to find out that it did yeah yeah um and it really is an odd duck of a series um or of a series entry i should say uh outside of uh what other folks have said, nothing nothing new or exciting to add for issue two. There's a lot of really cool scenes in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the explosion when she kills the tyrant is is very cool. Um, yeah, cool. There's a there's a moment of whiplash for me, like I just said with issue one, in this one with the which is really funny where the tyrant fight, Steve, you're exactly right. Like the tyrant battle scene takes up a lot of issue two. Mm-hmm. And he nearly kills Claire off several times. And it does feel really intense. It makes the battle feel massive. And then immediately afterwards, you go to the line. And this is in the game. Because a lot of the dialogue in this comes from, or the majority <laughs> of the dialogue in this comes from the game, where she makes a remark about just a cockroach on the, on the plane or whatever. But after you've seen like that battle that takes up most of the comic, it's so funny where it's like, I almost died, but you know, it's nothing. It's just a cockroach. It's like, okay, Claire. All right, jeez. You point this out, and like, would it being originally what an eighteen-volume manhwa mm-hmm. or something like that, that? That must have been like an entire issue, surely. Oh, like, probably multiple issues. Yeah. Yeah, looking through the imagery of the tyrant fight, it looks like a lot of budget is spent on the tyrant's actual like because he consistently looks, generally speaking, a little bit more better drawn. I feel he's shaded in and coloured than you know some sometimes clear in the same battle. Mm-hmm. Ironically, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and looks a bit like for. for for listeners only, uh, if you've ever played Street Fighter Four, the the boss in it, Seth, looks <laughs> almost identical, just with giant claw hands and fish armor. It's weird, <laughs> beautifully weird. There's a, a couple of really nice little positive storyline moments in this for me, actually, that I quite liked. Fair play on them, sort of changing some of the potentially cringiness of uh, the sleeping scene, as it were, with Steve's perhaps attempted kiss. Uh, where they just have a conversation about their emotions, which we thought was quite nice. Um, but also, my favourite bit, perhaps, like, we're talking critically about this, out of this series, comes from issue two, with the whole... <laughs> after Claire body slams a moth, and the moth sits underneath her and goes, why? And gets crushed to death. Terrible. Uh, she's poisoned, so she needs a blue herb. And they actually make that part of the story. And I was like, you know what? That's kind of cool. Like, as someone who plays... The video games, I appreciate they turned a gameplay aspect into part of the comic book story. They are adapting 
the story's game, but they added that in as being like, you know this from the games. Uh, I don't like that the Is Claire Dead cliffhanger kind of came out twice. That's kind of dumb. But it did add a little spice to me where it's like, oh yeah, you're using sort of secondary stuff to drive the plot here, which I thought was really cool. And now, reading the file, Anatomist's Note from Resident Evil Code Veronica, Garlips, who you can follow at twitch.tv forward slash Garlips. There is a demon in my mind. I can't control the fierce impulses that the demon sometimes drives me to act upon. It is a brutal ceremony. With the demon next to me, I enjoy watching people agonize in pain, screaming and convulsing repeatedly as they die. But Sir Alfred was kind enough to acknowledge me, and has given me the facilities, chemicals and equipment necessary to study everything. I must never betray Sir Alfred's kindness. It is especially critical that no one discovers the sacred place that only he and I know about. I swear, the basement of this medical building will be kept secret. Of course, I keep the key to the sacred place with me at all times. Even if an outsider sees it, they will never be able to tell that it is the key. I must remember that my life ends when I lose Sir Alfred's trust. Issue three then uh, takes us to the arrival of Chris's, um, the arrival of Chris's arrival at the island, uh, through to him facing Wesker. And meanwhile, Claire and Steve fight Nosferatu, uh, meet Alexia, and then Steve is injected with the T Veronica virus. Berg, I'm going to start with you. How did you feel about issue number three? Um. I uh, like this one quite a bit. Okay. Um, I trying to. Re- I apologize that I don't remember if it's in this one or the next one. But the is this is this the one because it's very fresh and all together. Mm. Um, with the flashback to Resident Evil One, or is that an issue four? Um, That's issue four, I think. Okay. It's this one. It's this one where Oh, is this one? Um, that part I like particularly well. Like that was really, really, really cool to yeah. me because. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was like it gave you something to do while Chris was doing the thing Claire already did, and in the game that part's really a drag, right? Mm. Um, because you're already exploring a space that Claire has already explored, yeah. And um, which is not to say that there's not interesting parts of that, but it's nice that they broke that that monotony up by giving you a flashback to yeah. Um, a pivotal scene in Chris's past, because then you're like, who the hell is Chris? Why is Chris important? I understand these Claire's brother but who the hell is he to this story um and it shows you that not long after he actually arrives and then he goes on to to be an absolute he goes on to be more terrifying than any bad guy in this book um the real danger here is chris redfield yeah um but that said some of my favorite art from from the whole series is in this book like um this piece right here of of this character who uh, again prior to rereading this book I forgot this person existed. Um, is this, this going to be? Dude. Yeah. Oh, Nosferatu. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nosferatu. Like, look how cool that is. Yeah. Uh, and some just really for the cool folks listening, it's just this really cool picture of Nosferatu with his bandana. He's got his 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 extra claws out already. Um, and 
when I saw this panel, uh, that really cemented me back to, oh, that's this boss fight where you're, you know, avoiding the weird claw guy mm -hmm. um, on the helipad. And mm -hmm. it really brought that back. And then you go ahead and you're like, oh, and now here's that boss fight where you're on the helipad. And they um, do stuff to, like, make it look like a hard boss fight. They, they get hurt. They take damage. Um, you know, they have to hit it. They have to do the thing a couple of times. Um, like, dope. Very cool. Uh, yeah. I think the boss fights are, as they sort of start to come thick and fast, like the fight scenes, I guess, are absolutely become become the highlight of this. And it is, again, sort of bending into the ridiculousness of this comic. And there's so many little important things to point out. But like that image that you demonstrated to us of Nosferatu, by the way, it just brings me to another great point. Um, there's just a little caption that says, what a freak. Uh, we should go through and count how many times that word is in this script. How many times does it appear in Kovronica? <laughs> I don't feel like it's more than a couple of times, but it is constant in the comic book. Everybody's yeah. a freak. They love the word freak in the year 2000, I guess. Um, yeah, you know, other than that, the other bit of writing I really liked in issue three was an extreme close-up of Steve's face where he's like, I swear I'll protect you next time. <laughs> where it's super, super <laughs> foreshadowing. You're like, yeah, okay, we know where this is going. Um, in terms of okay. writing, th there's a couple of like mistranslations throughout this very minor stuff. There's one in here where they refer to Rockford Island, it seems like, as Umbrella Island, which is probably meant to be Umbrella's Island. Um, you know, nothing nothing major. Um, there's a couple of typos. Yeah, there is. There's one in issue one where there's uh, the, the hemostatic medicine for Rodrigo. Um, and uh, this is clearly not text that Wildstorm have translated. I imagine this was on the original Chinese version where they don't really know what they're doing with English. Um, so it's just a string of words randomly put together. It says, first aid, will they true and repair height duty? Um, <laughs> like, sure. Yep. You know, and that's like all these little things. It's like, that's completely forgivable because you do get awesome moments like Bergs, as you said, where an appropriate time to be like, here's the flashback in the middle of the fight. And what's so cool about that actually in particular Chris being knocked unconscious and then going to the flashback and then coming out and then being knocked unconscious again in the middle of the fight and going back to the flashback. It was I just thought that was genuinely mm -hmm. really clever. Um, Steve, how did you feel about issue three? Genuinely, uh, it's the filler stuff that really was drawing me in quite a lot mm. in this one. Like the there is an entire extra episode. Like we've already talked about the flashback, but there was a point where Alexia is basically doing the mustache twirl and torturing <laughs> Steve and Claire. Uh, and, and bless Steve, he gets the absolute paste kicked out of him by a hunter, breaks his arms in the process, and uh, appears to have his like chest ripped open. But he, he manages to somehow not die from it, but be bleeding out. It's uh, it's pretty intense. Yeah. Uh, the the RE one flashback is nice. Arguably the best, I think, not fan art obviously, but one of the best takes on the 002 Tyrant I think I've ever seen. Like almost skeletal looking thing. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, it's a distinctly different vibe from the Tyrant in the previous issue. Uh, yeah, I, I love it. The 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 RE one stuff is just like, oh, it's a draw. Even does a nice nod. It's not just Chris being a superhero. It's like you know, Jill does a lot of stuff in it too, despite her not being a main character of this manoir. It's fantastic. Um, although every time Chris gets angry, a little bit, a little bit too grumpy, I can kind of hear Doom music coming off the pages. <laughs> 
like he's got a, a, a demonic killing aura going on. It's it's pretty strong. Uh, Wesker somehow just seems like the usual broody git he always does. It's smug, arrogant, almost looks like his RE5 face at times, which is surreal, mm. assuming when this was made. Mm. But yeah, uh, a fun time was had. But look, I, I didn't think it was possible, but I have sympathy for Steve Burnside because of this manoir. Oh, that's nice. I know, Steve grew heart three times this day. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, that's nice. There's some extra stuff around those two characters as they're tied up as well, which I thought was quite cool. Um, just to give them a bit of a back and forth. And yeah, the arm breaking thing was brand new, really intense. The RE5 stuff doesn't just stop at Wesker though, because the the panel of Chris, he's like engulfed in flame to sort of show his determination. He's pumping his muscle and he's got this gigantic bicep. And it's like, man, that's really proto Resident Evil 5. It's pretty crazy, really. And then, of course, shortly thereafter, the greatest comic book panel of all time happens where he uppercuts a hunter in the jaw and its mm. eyes pop out of its head. Yes, the Doom music should be playing. It's intense. And uh, the showdown with him and Wesker, yeah, like, Chris is probably scary. <laughs> like, at this point, yeah. he's done some pretty scary stuff. Uh, James, positives and negatives on issue three. Uh, yeah, so um, I don't think anyone has spoken about the beginning of this. Um, of the man of the of uh, book three, where Stephen Alfred are in a shootout, hmm. and this I think I start to feel it before, but this is where I start to feel a connection to Steve a little bit because mm-hmm. he actually uses his noggin and shoots the ground from underneath Alfred, right? Hmm. And that was pretty cool, and I respected it because uh, it beats all the dive kicking that I'm seeing every freaking panel, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, and then like you know. Steve just he he gets on uh he get, you know he he gets he gets on with his stuff and just keeps keeps on moving and Alfred uh we see Alfred kind of crawl to his sister slash mother queen um <laughs> after that and die but <laughs> at this point like I was just I was just in it for the unintentional comedy every page had <laughs> yeah right yeah um like I, I in book three so when I when I started this. I was, I had a very serious mind on. I was like, okay, I'm going to look at this as a Resident Evil kind of critique. And by the time I got to book three, that had all gone. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, the the lines in this would t- completely take me unawares every time. Yep. Like, and it was in the, it was in book three where it started to just make sense in my brain somehow. Um. I started to enjoy the story really not as a Resident Evil survival horror adventure, but just as its own thing at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, every character was the same. Every yeah. character, yep. like, you know, every character was the same. So just like the comics writing team, I didn't have much to think about. Um, <laughs> we see Chris as well, as we've all mentioned for the first time. And he comes out with the same freaking cheesy one-liners everyone else has been saying. I like when he's first introduced. Um, I quite liked his introduction, but then he just kind of s- settles into that notch of, "Oh, you're just Claire now." Yeah, big time. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering where the stakes were at mm. that point, like because mm. I couldn't see them at all. But again, my comedy brain was turned on, so I was just see- seeing it all as kind of just a funny, uh, funny read. I did enjoy the Stephen Claire interrogation room scene, as you mentioned, Sai. Like. 
Steve just getting repeatedly stabbed, punched in the chest by a sweeper. It was somehow uh, therapeutic. <laughs> uh, nice. I'm not sure how he survived, but he kept on surviving. He kept on going on. Maybe his love for Claire is what kept it going on. Maybe. Um, but yeah, once again, you're kind of you're like you're reminded by by Chris during all these chapters that every main character in this story went to the Chun Li School of Kicking. <laughs> Because uh, there were so many more in this this issue as well, I was getting bored of seeing the same kick over and over and over again with every panel. Uh, yeah, and then we end with with Chris buzzsawing his way through zombies and coming face to face with Wesky, which was pretty dope. I really liked uh, Wesky's design in this, and they really did a really good. They did did a great job of 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 framing uh, Wesker. Yeah, that reveal of his like glowing eyes is uh, is really mm. cool. That's really yeah. that's a gorgeous panel. Yeah, um, every I think there was like three or four of those panels, those stills where they just did de- a lot of detail, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed that. And this is like the, <laughs> funnily enough, the end of book three is where my mind changed again. But I'll go into book four with that. <laughs> Do you that think feedback. Wesker hates Chris? Because I get that vibe quite strongly from this <laughs> yeah. issue. I've got to be you know, honest. You know, he kept on saying. I tell you, there's one bad thing is that he kept on saying he hated it, hate Chris, but in the manoir, I don't think that he fully ex- they fully explain why. Mm. Wesker hated Chris. Mm. Um, yeah, they could have gone with it. Yeah, <laughs> just <a> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I would have liked a little bit more explanation uh, with that as well. Uh, Bags, any more points on issue three? Um, yeah, uh, a lot of really great art points. So my favorite art from from the run is in three. Yeah. Uh, I I really think that going into th- you know finishing three and then you know going into four i feel like the tonal shift really kind of yeah. didn't fit but um overall my my favorite of the four was three james to what you were saying there similar thing here where i don't think i've ever laughed out loud at a comic yeah. as much as i have yeah. with this um i don't know if that was intentional but i was having a good time and when in retrospect yeah. when you do look back on it like three feels like a big difference from the other one where we get into all these crazy fights and it's it's when Chris shows up with his glowing red eyes where he says, quote, it's something about dying. I can't find the first panel, but it's, yeah, he shouts to die with his glowing red eyes and it's like, what, what is, the, is this? There's a what's bit the thing with him and, and Walls, by the way? He says, twice he says, was it uh, face meet wall? And, yeah, that's uh, what I was going to say. In issue four... Uh, he says monster meat wall and yeah. and beats um, uh, an enemy against the wall. And it's like, you are just a psychopath at this point. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's wild. Um, okay, so let's dig into the last issue. Issue four, which, yes, takes us to the end of the game, of course. Um, and, of course, we've got a few more boss fights and that kind of stuff. Kicking off with, perhaps, Steve, you said the moth, but perhaps the most surprising um, inclusion of this, which is the... The the enemy that would, you know, the high school thing where everybody gets like most likely to. This is most likely to be cut from the Code Veronica remake, Albanoid, um, and oh no, <laughs> has to be said they need to do this in the freaking remake. I was uh, gonna say this is the most threatening it's ever seemed ever in this comic, <laughs> where it like it's, it electrocutes him, it jumps up, it's got like. I guess it does have a mouth underneath. You don't really see it in the video game. You just get in the pool and out and you don't don't really bother fighting it. And when you do fight, it's kind of pointless and weak. Whereas this, yeah, actually comes across as a threat. Um, 
this one at this point we talked a lot about pace and being dragged along sort of kicking and screaming as a character bounces from room to room to room i felt like this one had so much of that and the characters are talking in like every panel and this might have been true throughout most of the run maybe with the exception of issue three because it was more like concentrated fight scenes where characters were talking to each other and also because claire often had steve to talk to but in Chris's case, it's just him. It starts to sound like friggin' Speed Racer. Like, he has to vocalise every observation that he makes. I get it's, you know, to keep us going and what's going on. It's a problem with adapting a game into a comic. But every last bit, now I'm here. These bugs are huge. Oh my god, a giant anthill. What a science wrought. I'm going to squish this bug. Then I'm going to go this way. It's just like constant in every panel. <laughs> and because of the rate at which you're reading it, because A, it's huge, and you keep looking and see how much you've got left, and you're like, oh my god, there's still so much left. And also, because the fight scenes have kind of taught you to be like pacey about things, it's, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, Resident Evil Speed Racer, we've arrived. Um, Steve, thoughts on issue four? Uh, honestly, uh, yeah, Super Albanoid is fantastic. Uh, I like <laughs> it's, it. Does the man spider dig in thing? If you're familiar with one point five, it latches onto Chris, but it's, it's electrifying yeah. him. It fakes its death almost as well, and then Chris has a second round of being bitten. And it's that yeah, <laughs> intense battle. Actually, like ooh, page turning assault. Yeah, um, <laughs> Alexia, strangely. This is the first time it really hit home that she clearly loses her, like, she goes not dissimilar to her father. She degenerates. She has, like, a, a last line of dialogue. is just, I'll see you later. She appears. But the, the neurological degeneration part of the code Veronica virus, or the, you know, the, the Veronica virus, is, like, kind of in this, it feels. Mm. Like, she's a big megalomaniac. She has her original code Veronica showdown with Wesker where she pretty much just batters him and he screws away. Chris somehow learns how to fly. Uh, yeah, uh, there is an image that I, I, I won't try. Every and, other superpower. Yeah, yeah, Chris just like like Sai said, monologues the entire time, does crazy stuff, beats <laughs> things up. But generally speaking, Chris and I want to say the Albanoid and the giant spider, the the giant spider. Did you remember that one? That's near Nosferatu's corpse. Strangely dramatic fight with demonic eyes and stuff. That stuff's amazing. Mm. Like anything, mm. anything that's like a core story fight, though. Alexia is just kind of like, "All right, how you doing?" And then Chris flies away. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. so we meet again. Yeah, it's strange. Uh, oh, some great imagery in this, though. Like, I, I do especially love the hero shots. The the maniacal Chris face. The Chris in this is not the Chris who's seen in any other part of the series. <laughs> yeah. Something is it, it is like Resident Evil Five Chris, but something has snapped. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just got off the deep end. Uh, this is the face. the Star Trek universe where everyone's evil, but it's basically that. <laughs> uh, but I also felt bad for Steve. They uh, they this is also the issue where Steve obviously dies mm-hmm. and. Somehow, you know, it still seems tragic and sad, and he dies pretty much the exact same way. You're just getting impaled by, you know, Deus Ex Tentacle. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Generally speaking, though, if it's not the hero shots or the dramatic silly shots, this is, you can tell the budget seems to be running a bit thin. Yeah. I also like, speaking of the tentacle, don't know if anyone else picked up on this, and maybe it's intentional because they're siblings, but both Chris and Claire say some kind of tentacle when they encounter a tentacle <laughs> they both say some kind of tentacle i was like okay there is other words you can use um yeah this one is interesting because it's because of the comic being slightly different and you can't 
I guess you could include files, maybe. And they've done a good job of, like, you know, we praise them on flashbacking to RE1 and Steve's backstory. But you basically get, like, the comic equivalent of a lore dump room in this, where Alexia kind of wanders away talking about her history and with a father and stuff like that. Like, Nosferatu has been defeated once. We've already had that by this point. But we do get the backstory. It just comes a bit late. But yeah, the Alexia fight, weirdly, super quick. Everything else, Tyrant fight takes forever. The Wesker fight takes forever. Alexia, you know, nothing. A couple of pages and she's gone down, which is kind of a shame. I mean, he literally flies away. It, well, yeah. It's just, he was just like, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm out. So, I don't know. It's just, uh, yeah, as you say, maybe, maybe it's the budget running out kind of feeling or someone uh, poorly paced this issue and we're like, oh, no, I've only got so many more pages to do. Uh, to squeeze this all in so it's, it's a bit weird issue four is a yeah a step down from the the fun lunacy of issue three but it's not without its moments um bergs how did you feel about issue four uh parsing through uh like separating it all out to to just issue four i disliked this this one i think the most mm, um, okay uh biggest art inconsistency issues um mm. There's panel. There's like pages in this one where, uh, like characters have different color eyes. Uh, specifically with Alexa, her eyes shift from like gold to like red. All right. Um, it's a it's a it's you know a nitpick, but when you're looking at a visual art, like it's mm. a visual medium. And like I said, I was kind of just like, I got into a groove and was scrolling. It that's kind of thing that would take that takes me out of it. Um. I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna utilize my, my part of my issue for a time to talk about uh, the Ashfords uh, and and the I guess the differences you, you notice from them when you can't hear them talking is they mm. come off like in because they're they're all they the voice actors on them are so uh, bombastic and um, like to have Alfred be somebody who like just by, by reading the text and not knowing that he's been like not menacing he feels a little menacing for a while and the same sure. thing for yeah. alexa um like you my brain gives them like you know bad guy british accents um yeah and that kind of changes the vibe a little bit in a way that i thought was really uh neat and interesting uh overall it wraps up the game it's it feels like um he said it's there it's the end of the run they're just trying to like all right let's let's button this all up all right let's go yeah a little bit uh james is that how you felt about issue four um no okay um I, yeah i so i feel like book four is what i initially expected out of this comic in terms of how the pacing's done so the the begin the first few panels are very fast and they're very like you know it's chris getting basically ruined by this colony of albinoids was it just one or was it i think it's just yeah it's just one because i remember one panel having several albinoids and maybe it was just trying to show the movement of the thing probably that yeah um but yeah and i really i really like that um and that but then after that like the middle of this of this manoir was um was quite slowed down and deliberate and it made sense to me because when you whenever Alexia came onto the screen or it came onto the it came into a panel, she felt very sinister. Right? Yeah. Because of like everything was slowed down, the pace was slowed down, and everything was a lot more deliberate. I think it worked for Alexia for me when I was reading. Mm, okay. Um I felt the characters were introduced well. 
and they felt cleaner still were not without problems but like i introductions were done a lot better because there was a little bit slowdown after that initial bombastic introduction to the book mm. um like the book it starts with like chris fighting the albinoid after wesker gets distracted by alexia teasing him yeah uh, yeah <laughs> um fair. And I did actually whoop when I saw Al- I'm gonna call them Albies because <laughs> the Albinoid. Um, yeah, I, I actually whooped in my room. I was like, "Let's go!" I didn't expect to, an Albinoid to be in it. It was so yeah. cool. Um, at this thing, you know, we've essentially we've been watching the past three books, been watching these main characters whoop the butt of everything they come up against. <laughs> You know, and then we see this Albie absolutely ruining Chris. <laughs> you know, and the the most super powered OP character in all Resident Evil, and it was so cool. The uh, redemption I think, arc. Yeah, I felt like somebody probably played Code Veronica that read this right and gone. I really like, and I think it sucks that the Albino kind of sucked in Code Veronica. It's a really unique, you know, monster. <laughs> um, like, and I thought, uh, yeah, we, we need to throw some respect on the Albinoid's name kind of situation, <laughs> you know. Um, it was cool. Um, but yeah, as I said earlier, the star of this book for me was Alexi's character progression. Yeah. Because um, unlike everyone else's story so far, she would get more and more scary with each page. Mm. Yeah, she had that typical villain monologue thing where, you know, she would say something and then Chris would fly away, right? But... <laughs> It still felt sinister, right? Whereas everybody else just felt like fodder that these main characters had come up against. Um, her presence alone, like, made me sit up and notice her, and mm-hmm. the artwork for her was spectacular. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Like her yeah. first, her first introduction in that tube, and then later on, like when there's a close-up after Alfred is just about to uh, free her. Mm-hmm. Those, those are two of my favorite panels in this entire uh, series. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. Um, I also felt that book four f- uh, was way more connected to the video game um, as well. Like there are, there were stakes now, and it wasn't just a linear adventure anymore yeah, for your it, first time. Yeah, like things it's are telling complicated. It's telling the story part now. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's what I wanted. Mm-hmm. I wanted more of that. Like even though the the past books were very comedic and that was entertaining in its own right, I got what I wanted. Like things have gotten compl- nice. com- complicated now that now that two bodies have been thrown in with um wesker and alexia mm-hmm. um yeah and we've you know and in the previous you know we even got that flashback of the original game with jill and chris uh which i think we all appreciated it was nice to see jill uh there i actually put it i thought it was in book four but yeah but uh yeah it was i really connected to book four more than i did um but the previous books but yes that ending cool I really disliked. I didn't like yeah. that. Because, I mean, in Code Veronica, it takes such a long time to kill Alexia. Yeah, you have to sort of batten down until the launcher becomes available. Whereas this, it was just like three panels and there it is, yeah. one shot done. I, like, I, suppose yeah. they, I suppose they might have thought, um, unless they had limited limited pages, which they might have, they might have just like gone a little bit over time with the, with the lore explanation in the story. Um, but yeah, they might have thought, oh, it's a linear launcher, like it's going to kill anything at one shot anyway, so let's just do it. You mm-hmm. know, um, they might have thought that. Uh, but yeah, the, the, I mean, the stakes disappeared at that point. Uh, but prior to that, I loved uh, every bit of Book 4. Yeah. Nice. 
The uh, the other thing that's quite interesting about um, issue four with Wildstorm's publishing is that, um, well, the Wildstorm uh, publishing versions, they've kind of gone down the SD Perry re-release uh, route with their covers. You know, we always kind of turned our noses up where the original art was kind of at least interesting and unique for the most part. Whereas you've got the sort of 2012 re-releases that were all uniform, same background with just character renders or a zombie render or whatever, fairly boring stuff. The Wildstorm um, volumes all have basically that. They're all character renders just slapped onto the same Code Veronica background. But issue four, quite nicely, has a bunch of um, full splash artwork with no text on it that was used for each issue. Um, of the Hong Kong release. Some of them are, I mean, a lot of them are incredible. Uh, just really lovely stuff. If you're looking for um, a unique, you know, profile image or whatever for social media, if, you know, if you're looking for a Code Veronica flavored one, you could do a lot worse than some of the stuff in here for sure. Yeah. Although there is one particular one right at the end I want to shout out with uh, Final Form Alexia with shining green eyes. Like she's got headlamps. Claire screaming in the corner and then at the bottom in the most like street fight way possible. Chris is there on fire. He's muscle bound <laughs> God and he's got no shirt on. Chris is never shirtless in Code Veronica. They were just like, you know what? Just going to draw shirtless Chris for the cover. It's just incredible. Like- <laughs> I've been playing a lot of Yakuza games lately. And this is very much like yeah. Kiryu, the end of the game, Millennium Tower energy going yeah, on. Yeah, for like, sure. He's gonna punch Alexia to death. I kind of love, I kind of love that aspect of it. Obviously, as we've gone through. Um, and speaking of Chris, let's talk a little bit more about characters. I think we've probably done a lot of this over the talking about uh, the issues, but I don't know if anyone has any points on summing up how they felt about certain characters that they maybe didn't get to. James, I think it was you that said this, um, and if not, I apologise. But yes, they're all, all three sort of heroes in this are essentially interchangeable. That was the main yeah. thing for me. Like, there isn't a lot of actual characters in this. They really tried hard to make Steve Burnside a bit of an action hero guy. He does a lot of saving of Claire, even more so than the video game, and a lot of punching monsters. Um, whereas Chris goes the other and just punches monsters uh, until, yeah, until he's Doom Guy. Um, and also try not to read Wesker as Richard War Challenge impossible level. Uh, Steve, any notes on the characters? Uh, yeah, Steve Burnside and Alfred for me. Like, mm. I, like you said, Steve being a little bit, this, he's got a l- little bit more screen time, makes it a bit more tangible. But if you put the original voice actor's voice over it, it kind of makes it comical for you. <laughs> Alfred, yeah. again, I just want to say, like, full on, like. Feels Christian Bale and American Psycho kind of vibe to him, mm. like a complete lunatic mm. in the best possible way. But also, yeah, uh, every image he's in is almost a meme. Like uh, <laughs> maybe First Day Spray's mission now to take as many images as Alfred as possible and just use them as reaction images. Just spread them God. throughout the world. Uh, <laughs> absolute cartoon. I love it. Um, again, shout out to the Albanoid as well. Uh, like most threatening BOW I've ever seen. I know that's not a character, but it has more threat than Alexia does. <laughs> um, James, any notes on characters? Uh, yeah. Um, so I, I I put here, like in my notes, like the wild thing about these characters is that I'm convinced that they are all carrying one brain cell. <laughs> and that one brain cell is like, de- one brain cell is delivering each kick, punch, and one liner. And it's just interchanging <laughs> between each of these it's main bouncing characters. Bouncing around, yeah. Yeah, because the characters were not that different in mm-hmm. terms of the plucky heroes that we see. 
Um, like they would have some standout moments though, such as Chris's random flex when he found <laughs> Players Lighter, which I really did like. Um, and seeing <laughs> Steve's per- per- perspective as well was cool. Um, and where, yeah, where he goes, yeah. um, I like that. Um, Claire just felt like they gave her the RE4 Leon treatment. Yeah, like, a little bit. Not mm. really. There wasn't really a personality there, which sucked because she's full of personality. Mm. Um, she was a butt kicking goddess, but not a character. Mm. Um, yeah, and I said earlier, Alexia had the most progression of every character. She was used as a great villain here. She had a book and a half to affect me, and she definitely did do that. Um, they, whoever was doing her stare. <laughs> did really well because um, every time I saw her face, I was like, "Ooh, you know, um, <laughs> nice!" Like uh, same with her nonchalance. Like as she was with everything that she was doing, um, she really felt regal mm. in this comic. Mm. Um, when they could have easily just made her absolutely bonkers, insane, which she is, but you know, um, instead they did that with every other character. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. An honorable mention, Steve. He did get on my nerves, but that's part on the course with him. Though he did have moments where I did connect with him, um, as I mentioned earlier with his dad. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about characters. Uh, Bergs, any thoughts on characters? Um, I am really sad that uh, Alfred never got the help that she needed. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> um, but ultimately speaking, uh, they did a great job at, like, I don't know, making me feel more afraid of characters that I wasn't at all afraid of in mm. the um, in the video game. Uh, not to say that I was, like, outright terrified, but, like, in terms of just in the moment as you're reading a comic book, it makes sense that these people are people to be afraid of. Yes. Yeah, well um, said. Uh, and I thought that that was conveyed well. Like I said, as Steve said, if you put their voices over it, it it takes some of that away (laughs) um uh overall um i think a lot of the characters uh were represented well there's not a whole lot of dialogue to go off of in a resident evil game to fill out a thousand pages of a comic book Mm -hmm. um but for the fact that like you said everybody's talking to themselves all the time (laughs) it does a good job of like telling you who they are um hmm Anything oh. else about characters? I think I'm good. Uh, in that case, do you want to kick us off with BOWs as well? Any standout uh, monsters that you really enjoyed? Um, anything that wasn't a general zombie um, was great. Like if it was <laughs> yeah. supposed to look like it was supposed, like if they got key art for it specifically, um, like <laughs> it was great. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. if they had stuff to go off of and stuff to trace the. Like, Alexa looks menacing in a lot of, like, the one that Steve shared in chat, where it's just, like, the side of her face, uh, just done in this really lovely, what looks like watercolor. Mm. Um, beautiful, like, great stuff there. Um, a lot of the the tyrants and the VOWs pop up. The Bandersnatch looks like a tyrant, like like James had said earlier. Or, um, yeah. And, uh, no, honestly, stand out as Alexa, like, hands down. Mm. Um, they put a lot into her. I'm similar for my uh, negative, as I said. The ripped zombies don't really do it for me. It's, it's, it's a little weird. But it works for everything else, as, as we've said. The Bandersnatches look really, really mean. I love a Bandersnatch. I know they're kind of wimpy, really, and people don't like them, but uh, I've always had a bit of a soft spot for them as the rejects they are. And so it looks really cool that they're all muscle-bound like this. and actually kind of works because you can see the through line to the muscle-bound tyrants in this as well. And obviously, I think the tyrant 
um, on the plane. And both of them, actually, in their own ways, are, are highlights for sure. Um, James, any thoughts on BOWs? And also, shout out to the moth. Sorry, I've got a not got a... <laughs> Praise the moth. I know, praise the moth. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so the gore and detail were amazing. Yeah. In every single issue. Um, like, it, And the other thing I want to bring up is that it wasn't on every page. Mm. Unlike all those dumb one-liners, which were. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it did, when all that gore and the BOWs did turn up, there was some gravitas there. I don't count the zombies. I know this sounds weird, but I don't count the zombies BOWs because they didn't look like they didn't look like a threat. They looked even more less of a threat than everything else did. Like, but yes, from like the eyeballs being punched out of heads. They yeah, looked, there's a lot of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of that, um, which was cool because and it's so funny because whoever did that art really enjoyed doing that. Because, <laughs> yeah, like the detail. I'll post an image in a bit, but the detail they put into these eyeballs being punched out was quite spectacular <laughs> um yeah and then like heads being shot through zombies yeah you can see where the passion has gone in this <laughs> uh yeah mm. if, like it, it wasn't all the way into the story and um, all the pacing but the the artwork and the gore and the bow's is where everything's been put into mm. like the tyrant and bandersnatch felt like they had similar abilities here as well very fast hard hitting um but yeah. nothing an uppercut can't fix, apparently. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and as I said earlier, the zombies are fodder. They never felt like a threat to our characters, unfortunately. Um, yeah, and all of the above were drawn really well, as well as Alexia's first reveal and final transformation. Mm-hmm. As I said earlier, though, I would have liked to see more of that, especially I wanted I wanted a few pages of of Alexia, at least. Uh, because she is still one of my top BOWs, so I wanted to see really amazing continued, like continuous artwork of her. Mm. Yeah, and as I said earlier, the sweepers, yuck, ew, yucky. No. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. The the first panel, really well done. But yeah, uh, I look back and yeah, that is definitely something that's been uh, used as a reference, and then they've just kind of gone wild with it. Um, the lines are really whack, just really strange, um, which is so annoying because like the hunters are one of my favorite BOWs for mm-hmm, obvious reasons. Like they didn't look like a deadly predator. They didn't look scary. <laughs> it's really silly. They look yeah, um, they look kind of comical the further in it goes, don't they? Yeah, yeah, it sucks. Uh, and it t- it took me out of those scenes uh, uh, as well completely. Like that's why I, I looked at it and I go, oh yeah, uh, Steve is getting the snot kicked out of him uh, repeatedly in the belly and I'm okay with it, but am I meant to feel something here? Mm. Because I didn't. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I I liked all the BOWs and all the gore and all the the detail with that. I'll I'll post some images in the chat in a second. Mm -hmm. Uh, Steve, final thoughts on BOWs? It's going to sound incredibly fence-city, but I really liked most of them, like if not all of them. Even the zombies, mm. I as ridiculous as it sounds, if they could come up with a narrative reason as to why every single one of them is like, you know, been to the gym and, you know, L games, they have got, you know, they're jacked. I would I would buy into it because mm. it's all comical. They, they don't really, as everyone said, they're not really a threat, but the aesthetic vibe to them was consistent. Um, yeah. Standout for me, really, is probably Super Albanoid or T002 making a surprised awesome cameo. Yeah. But even then, like, Alexia looks cool for what little time she's got. 
the Bandersnatches, I feel like, are the ones that are done dirty the most. Because they're the ones that get, like, karate to death, I think, almost exclusively. <laughs> yeah. uh, like, I don't think there's a single one where they get shot. They're all punched and pulverized and kicked. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Amazing martial arts, these guys. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I, oh, goodness me. Uh, size just posting their chat an image of a hunter, and uh, I'm taking it back. They look terrible. They they, they look like actually. Uh, it looks like it came out of the Super. Man. I was gonna say either that or it looks like it came out of the original Mario movie to me. Uh, no, that the hunters can get shot, which is a shame because they're like you know primo BOW material as we know. To be outshined by the Albanoid is is certainly a choice. Yeah, <laughs> uh, thing, I, I can't I can't sing that thing's praises enough. I'm sorry, it was just like such an unexpectedly glow up boss fight. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, and the, and the spider as well. Something as generic as giant spider number three. Yeah, like, that the whole sequence was pretty dope. Like I, I would seek out the BOWs of this manoir. They they all look fairly terrifying, excluding the hunter who's just a bit naff. Mm. Which nicely brings us on to. Okay, conclusion. Can I, can I say one, other, one yes, other thing? Please do. So I did notice. I put this in my notes and completely forgot about it. Um, I did notice that, and this is just inconsequential, but every time you would someone a, a BOW was introduced, and the our plucky heroes were fighting them, they would get larger and larger and larger with every panel <laughs> until they died. It was like you know, it's like they were the fireballs from Final Fantasy. You know, they would just get bigger and bigger and bigger. It was just a little, little amazing thing I noticed. Uh, yes, so let's let's conclude. Let's wrap this up. Um, how do we feel about this overall? Did we have a good time? Would we recommend it? Uh, for me, I'm quite surprised at how much I enjoyed this absolute ride that this was. Um, the comics can be, I don't know, they're always weird and they're always an experience and we always kind of have fun talking about them and picking them apart. I actually don't feel like I want to be me too mean to this one, even with what we just said about monster scale and what we just said about the speed racer stuff and the inconsistent art. I, ju- I really enjoyed how big and dumb and stupid this was. Um, genuinely think you could use this as a walkthrough for the most part if you just need to know where item goes to get next item. Um... And the new additions, always a contentious thing when it comes to ad- adaptations, what you're going to cut out and what are you going to include that's new. Obviously, there's probably some flab they absolutely could have taken out of this. Um, some more pre-production about what they actually wanted to achieve would have probably honed in something that was more consistent tonally throughout instead of just getting into crazy boss fights and just, yeah, Chris Redford is a psycho in issue three and then kind of, yeah, that falling away um, would have been probably good but as an overall package if you're looking for something just kind of amusing that actually resembles Resident Evil but yeah I guess on steroids <laughs> I yeah I would recommend this it's uh, just dumb fun don't expect brilliance but I enjoy it as dumb fun um, Steve how do you feel about the Code Veronica comic book overall as an absolute like on record hater, not hater, but you know, uh, <laughs> of the origin of Code Veronica. Generally speaking, like this was a fun time. I, I had a, I had a blast with this. I would say it's not earth shattering Lupulets and stuff, all right. But easily for me, the best comic we've had in the show so far. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, like you know, the the action is ridiculous. The characters are silly. Chris becoming Doom Guy is, you know, that that should be as much a meme as Alfred Sigma Grind set. Like. <laughs> 
unbelievably daft things in this comic. Will I say it's good in the, in the traditional sense? I'm not sure. Right? The quality varies wildly, and some of the monsters are drawn poorly, like especially the hunters, as, as I've been elucidated to. Uh, but if you're a fan of Co Veronica, you're probably going to have a good time, I, I think. And if you're not a fan of Co Veronica, I certainly somehow still managed to find a great time out of it. <laughs> like, I, I, I am genuinely, genuinely excited to see what the other stuff for holds of the man was, because if this is just like a barometer of fi- riding the wave, and we have like Super Saiyan Leon Kennedy and Tyrant versus like the G virus and stuff. But that's going to be yeah crazy when we see it. Yeah, I was going to say so, yes. this is nothing. I think, and I'm quite tempted uh, to get into it if we can. I have been sitting here the entire time trying not to laugh out loud at some of the stuff I'm looking at, even though I just looked at it earlier today. Like there are some panels that I just can't help it if I look at them; it just start making me giggle. Uh, mm. And I love, I love that. I love that they can do that for me. Um, Bergs, what are your final thoughts on the Code Veronica manhwa? I never read a manhwa before. I'm gonna have to do some research about the format. Um, in terms of, a, of a, as a comic book and as a comic book fan, as a, as a fan of the medium, I um, I definitely thought that this was in, for an ongoing, um, hmm. very fast. Like I, I I've read a lot of comics in the last few days, um, and oof. Uh, <laughs> um, it was a great reason to not go back and play Resident Evil um, Code Veronica again for a while because I got that replay data in my brain right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there's there's uh, some really cool art pieces where I was like, yeah, you know, I, I gauge comic book art as to whether or not I would hate seeing a frame of it on my wall. Mm. Um, and there's a couple of panels uh, on even in this in this series that I'm like, okay, like as a Resident Evil fan. Um, who like like I like this art, and I wouldn't mind having it, you know, in a frame on a wall. So, um, that to me is a pretty like internal good sign. Uh, I only read it for this podcast. Uh, full disclosure. So, um, thank you for the opportunity to explore <laughs> this um piece of Resident Evil history. Um, also, I hate it. <laughs> Uh, James, what, how do you feel about this overall then? Um, mm. <laughs> I so if I if I came if I started reading this these books and I had a mindset of this is going to be stupid fun, I think I would have had more fun with it. I'm glad I mm. kept on going because eventually I did learn uh, that it was just stupid fun. And there were some bits I really did enjoy reading, and it entertained me. Um, it showcased really impressive artwork, um, even with its inconsistent pacing at points, uh, its lack of stakes, uh, <laughs> characterization issues. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I think I've said this before. I'm getting deja vu, but <laughs> nowadays, in present day, if something is meme worthy. It's good. Yeah. And we we read Fire and Ice and I think we made like a cup a couple of memes from that. But I feel like every panel <laughs> <can be memed laughs> yeah, yeah. in in this. So 
yeah, I think that's a good measure of an of entertainment. Yeah, like, like it, I, I, I don't mean like I encompass underline that word entertainment. It's entertaining to read this book. Yes, as long as you just kind of separate yourself from the source material a bit. I really would have loved it if they just gave a little bit more attention to Claire and she wasn't just Leon the version two, um, hmm. you know, or a split from Chris. But yeah, I'll, even with all my criticism of the book, um, and that's what I'm here for is to criticize. I definitely would um, would recommend it to Resident Evil fans and to Veronica fans because it, it's a it is a blast to read through. It is indeed. Cool. Well, nothing else remains for me but to thank our contributors, our patrons, and our listeners. Join the First Aidsbury Discord server to become part of our community and hear the show early and unedited. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Blue Sky, and so on. All of these links and all of our content can be found at fasprayPod.com. You can listen to the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcasting apps. And if you like what you hear, please do leave us a review where you can and spread the good word. Don't forget you can support the show by picking up some merch or at patreon.com forward slash fasprayPod for as little as $1 a month. Our next episode actually isn't locked in. There's a couple of ideas right now. We're bouncing around, see what comes out first. And I can tell you that they're both two of the most anticipated subjects, I think, that we've got right now. So either way, it's going to be a great time. Thank you to the panel. You can follow all of the Pueblo people individually. I'm at Soniac underscore 123. Steve is FB Steve was taken. Burger is at It's Burger Time. And James is on Blue Sky somewhere. And thank you for listening and have a good week. Steve, can you say some words for me? Yes, of course. What would you like me to tell you? That'll do. James, can you say some words for me? Uh, some uh, some words. Uh, comic book club. And Bergs, can you say some words for me, please? Absolutely. Oh, that was that's just almost one word. sensual. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Um, <coughs> do you need more? No, no, you're good. You well, I mean, okay. private time maybe, but not. Sorry, <laughs> 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 James. <laughs> I'm going to infect you all with this microphone. Oh, man. Uh.